At first, it was just one sheep per day. But as the deadly dragon grew more powerful, he demanded more and more. Soon it was the people of Silene themselves, so intense was his insatiable hunger, his desperate desire for more and more. Until, until one day a courageous knight named George agrees to confront the dragon. After a long and bloody battle, George finally defeats the cruel beast, saves the princess, and rescues the town. With what weapon did George slay the dragon? A spear? A lance? A sword? Maybe, just maybe, the dragon was slain by love. Welcome to Slain by Love, your weekly sermon podcast from the pulpit of St. George's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Y'all, please be seated and good morning. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You might like to gamble. You might like to dance. You might be the heavyweight champion of the world with a long string of pearls, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Maybe a construction worker working on a home, maybe living in a mansion. You might live in a dome. You might, uh, let's see, you might own guns. You might even own tanks. You may be someone's landlord. You might even own banks, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Bob Dylan, 1979, you got to serve somebody. Now, friends, today we come to Matthew chapter 10. And we continue this journey with Jesus through the Gospel of Matthew. And today, Jesus is not saying to us, you're going to have to serve somebody. He is saying, you're going to have to fear somebody. Channeling the spirit of Bob Dylan, he is saying this, when you begin truly to fear God in your life, guess what? Right at that moment, you will cease to fear anything else. When you fear God, I want to preach to you this morning about the fear of God. Please pray for me. I want to preach to you about the fear of God because when you fear God, you will fear nothing else. Now, here's an idea, okay? Let's call the fear of the Lord big F fear. And let's call fear of other things small F Fear. So what the Bible calls the fear of the Lord, for us this morning, that's going to be big F fear. And for all other fears, small F. So fear of taxes, small F fear. Fear of death, small F fear. Fear of cancer, small F fear. FOMO, fear of missing out, small F fear. Now listen. Three times in the gospel this morning, not once, not twice, but three times in the gospel this morning, Jesus looks at his disciples, he looks at you and me, and he says, do not be afraid 
with small f fear. Are you with me? Do not be afraid with small f fear. Three times he looks at his would-be followers and he repeats the most frequently stated commandment in Scripture, the most frequent commandment in all of Scripture, which isn't do not sin. It isn't do not cuss. It is not thou shalt sing in the choir or thou shalt pay your tithe. No, the most frequent command in all of Scripture is do not fear. Verse 28 from Matthew 10 this morning, Jesus says this, don't be afraid of your persecutors. Either the Jewish leaders who by this point in Matthew's gospel are hunting Jesus down or the Gentiles, the Roman authorities who a few decades later were hunting down not Jesus but his disciples. They were hunting down the disciples, the followers of Jesus, the very ones reading this gospel and hearing it read in the house churches. Do not fear them, Jesus is saying. Instead, fear God. And again, in verse 26, don't be afraid of them, Jesus says. Who is them? Well, let me repeat what I just said. It's the Jews and the Romans. The Jews and the Gentiles, both groups. The Jews and the Gentiles, both groups are seen as persecutors of the Jesus community. By the way, that was explicitly said last Sunday. And if you weren't here last Sunday, I would point you to the podcast or the YouTube video. But that was explicitly said last Sunday, a few lines up in verses 17 and 18 of Matthew chapter 10. Uh, it speaks of the synagogue leaders and the Gentile governors and kings. You see, Jew and Gentile. See, in the, in the biblical mind, that means everybody. Everybody. Don't be afraid of anyone. Don't be afraid, Jesus is saying. Learn to fear God. And what you'll find is that suddenly you are living in fear of nobody else. Let go of small f fear, Jesus is saying. And embrace big f fear. When you embrace big f fear, the fear of the Lord, then you will watch all other fears in your life, all of those small f fears simply vanish into thin air. But friends, what is the fear of the Lord? What is this big F fear? I'm so glad you asked. <sighs> because I thought of some examples. I thought of some analogies. I thought of some metaphors for what in the heck big F fear, the fear of the Lord might possibly be. And here's what hit me some metaphors, some analogies. Raise your hand if you used to like Tootsie Roll Pops. Do they still make those? I think they still make those. Tootsie Roll Pops, you know, a Tootsie Roll Pop, the outside, you know, you suck on it, the outside of it is, is pretty good, but the good stuff is where? It's inside. The good stuff, the stuff that you're really after, the sweet center, the, the nugget of nougat, the nugget of Tootsie Roll Pop, that's in the middle, it's in the center. The outside's okay, but what you're really going for is the sweet, delicious center. By the way, it's the same with those Asian dumplings. You know those Asian dumplings? I love them. But the, the, the doughy outside, the doughy crust, the outside is pretty good. But what you're really after is that yummy meat right in the middle. That's what you're really after, that delicious center 
of that pastry. And it's also the same with Sour Patch Kids, is it not? You remember those? Sour Patch Kids, they're kind of good on the outside. I mean, I like sour, but what you're really after is the sweet center of those Sour Patch Kids. Y'all, this is how the fear of the Lord is. The good stuff is deep down in the center. You have to work to find it. You have to work to taste the sweetness in the center of this doctrine. The outside, like the outside of those doughy dumplings, it's okay, it's good enough, but the real yumminess is in the center. I'm going to take you down to the core of this strange doctrine called the fear of the Lord this morning, down into the sweet center of this big F fear. And the first step, or maybe the first stop, in going down into the center, the juicy, yummy, sweet core is in our collect of the day. So if you're a visitor today, let me hear you say that word, collect. That's a weird word, collect. It means prayer. A collect is a prayer. Look with me at the collect of the day, which is the at the top of page two of your service leaflet, because the first stop in getting to the sweet core of this doctrine is in the collect of the day. Look at it with me if you don't mind. Oh, Lord, it says, make us have a perpetual love and reverence. I want you to mentally circle that word reverence. Make us to have a perpetual reverence for your holy name. Think about that word reverence. Webster's Dictionary defines it as profound and adoring awe, A-W-E, profound and enduring awe. Did you hear that word adoring? See, the idea of reverence includes adoration. If you revere something or someone, guess what? You adore it. I don't know if you've ever heard of Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin is a 60-something-year-old music executive and record producer. He's a burly, Jewish, somewhat overweight, white guy with a huge, burly beard. When he was an undergrad at NYU in the late 80s, I think, he started to produce records for upstart bands that no one had ever heard of at that time, like Run DMC and LL Cool J. More recently, he's been the guy behind the success of hip-hop and rap bands like Public Enemy and the Ghetto Boys. All of these groups are African-American. All these groups are black. African-American hip-hop bands produced and promoted by a plump Jewish man in his 60s with a gnarly beard. I was recently watching a documentary about Rick Rubin, and one of the folks being interviewed was this African-American rapper. I don't remember his name. He had a couple of those gold teeth. He had some dreadlocks, you know, the whole nine yards. But what got to me is that he said that he reveres Rick Rubin. In fact, he said that the entire hip-hop community in the United States reveres Rick Rubin. In other words, they adore him. They adore him. When you have reverence for someone, you adore that person. Don't you see, dear friends, reverence for the Lord, which the collect talks about this morning, reverence for the Lord, that is the fear of the Lord. And that means adoration. Can you tell that we're getting closer to the sweet center? Adoration is sweet. 
Adoring love, that's the sweet center of reverence. That's the sweet center, or at least we're getting closer, to the doctrine of the fear of the Lord. You see, the true fear of the Lord includes love. Includes love. Not fear of, fear of taxes does not include love. Fear of an abusive parent does not include love, right? But the fear of the Lord is different. The fear of the Lord includes love. Intriguingly, mysteriously, wonderfully. Love. Do you want to live like Jesus? Do you want to be liberated and free like Jesus? Do you want to be fully alive like him? I do. Do you want to be fearless like Jesus? Then put your fear in God. Put your reverent awe in God. Put your adoring love in God. Now, maybe you're scratching your head a little bit. Maybe you're still unconvinced. Maybe you're still not convinced that the fear of the Lord has a sweet, delightful center deep down inside of it. We've finished step number one, stop number one, the colic of the day. Now I want you to think with me about stop number two, the Psalms. Did you know that this notion of the fear of the Lord pops up over 25 times in the Psalms? My favorite example is Psalm 130, verse 3. Psalm 1, not today's Psalm, Psalm 130, verse 3. I want you to listen to this closely. It says this, there is forgiveness with you, therefore you shall be feared. Let me repeat that. There is forgiveness with you, therefore you shall be feared. You see, earlier we looked at the sense of the fear of the Lord, reverence, adoration, adoring love, but now we see the support of the fear of the Lord, the support, the foundation, the reason we are moved to put our fear of the Lord in the first place. What is the support? What is the foundation? What is the reason? Psalm 130, verse 3, forgiveness. How strange. Lord, I stand in awe of you. I have a deep fear for you because you've forgiven me. That is so strange, is it not? Have you ever noticed Psalm 130, verse 3? It's so strange. Ordinarily, we fear someone who does not forgive us, right? I mean, if you're in a court of law for a crime that you've committed, who are you going to fear more, a judge with a reputation for leniency and forgiveness or a judge who is strict and unforgiving, known for his or her punishment, who will you be more afraid of? The strict one, right? Of course. I mean, why should you fear the judge who's just going to let you off scot-free? Right? The judge I'm going to be more afraid of is the strict one, the one more likely to throw me behind bars, the one more likely to punish me. Right? And yet, think about that psalm. Psalm 130, verse 3, there is forgiveness with you, and that is why you shall be feared. What is our reason for fearing the Lord? It's that he forgives. It's that he forgives. Talk about a sweet, delicious core. What is more delightful 
than forgiveness. Y'all, I'm a big sinner, so I know exactly how sweet forgiveness is. What is more delicious than forgiveness? You see, the sweet, delicious center of this strange doctrine of the fear of the Lord, this strange reality of big F fear, this fear that Jesus speaks of today in Matthew, this one unique fear that rids us of all other fears, the sweet, delicious center is love. Or to hearken back to a different word that the collect today uses, it is the word loving kindness. And yes, you can see that, see that at the top of page two as well, loving kindness. We've actually been looking at that word and that idea, loving kindness, for the last couple of Sundays. Loving kindness. If we were to say that word in Hebrew, it would be the word chesed. Might sound familiar. Chesed. The collect says, O Lord, make us have a perpetual fear of your holy name, for you never fail to, he to help those whom you have set upon the, f the sure foundation of your what? Your chesed. Your loving kindness. There it is again. The support. The reason for big F fear. The foundation of big F fear. The sweet, delicious center of big F fear. Of our fear of the Lord. Before we close this morning, I want to bring your attention back real quick to those two judges, the strict punishing one and the kind forgiving one. Who do we fear more? Out there in the world, it's obvious, is it not? We fear the strict judge more. He's the one we're most afraid of, right? It's obvious, it's clear, it's open and shut, it's black and white. But friends, in the gospel, things are different. In the Christian life, things are so utterly different. In the Christian life, which judge do we fear? Big F fear. Which judge do we fear the most? We fear the forgiving judge the most. The Lord God himself the one who will judge the quick and the dead. He is the ultimate judge that we fear. Good thing he slash she slash God. Good thing that he's a forgiving judge. Good thing he is a lenient judge. Speaking of punishment, that leads us to our third and final stop this morning. And I want to close like this. Speaking of punishment, our third and final stop, 1 John 4.18. You're not supposed to introduce big new thoughts near the end of the sermon, sorry. 1 John 4.18, do you want to understand big F fear? Do you want to rid yourself of small F fear in this world? Do you want to have the fear of the Lord in your life? You have to reckon with 1 John 4.18. You have to grapple with 1 John 4.18. It says this, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear, it says, continuing in 1 John 4, 18, fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears 
has not reached perfection in love. Now note, John, all throughout this verse, is talking about small f fear. So we could translate the verse like this. There is no small f fear in love, but perfect love casts out small f fear. For small f fear has nothing to do with punishment, and whoever small f fears has not reached perfection in love. You see, small f fear has to do with punishment. Virtually all the time, small f fear has to do with punishment. Big f fear does not. The fear of God does not. After all, its sweet center is love, and love casts out fear. Love casts out small f fear. In other words, big f fear casts out small f fear. Why? Because we have a lenient judge. Why? Because for us, there is no punishment. All punishment, 100% of it and more, all punishment has been exhausted and swallowed up by the cross. Now, there's nothing left but love. Nothing more to do but fear. Not small f fear. Not fear of this world or anything in it. Now, there's nothing left to do but fear the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining us at the pulpit of St. George's Austin, where the love of God in Christ slays our enemies, our fears, our guilt, our worries. How are they slain? Only by love. Special thanks to the good folks of St. George's and especially to that masterful media guru, Liam Dolan Henderson. See you next week. Peace and be well.